reading from Exodus chapter 3 this morning. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said, further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I've come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them so come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you, that it is I who sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said, Further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this my title for all generations. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Alicia Van Riggs likes to get up and ride her bicycle to work. I like to get up early and ride my bike, but I wait till daylight. She often leaves when it's still dark. She says one morning she was on that track and she noticed over on the horizon a full moon just hanging on the horizon. She pulled over, got off her bike and stood by the trail gazing at the sheer beauty of the moon hanging there. She said, before I knew it, tears were running down my face. She said, at first I thought it was just the beauty of creation overwhelming me, which was part of it. But then I realized part of it was I was there so early, nobody else was there to share it with. Then she writes, and I put this line in your outline, relationship is what makes so much of this life so heartbreakingly beautiful. But then she says, she sees someone coming in the dark. It's a man with a grocery cart full of recyclables. 
She says he saunters right up to her, but he can see even in the darkness because of the moonlight that there's streaks running down her face. He said, is everything okay? She said, I nodded yes, and then gestured toward the moon. He turned and saw what I was seeing. He said, oh my, you are right. And she says, we stood there in awe together. The silence was broken when he popped the top on his Mountain Dew. And then he offered me a drink. She says, I still regret declining his offer. Because he was offering me so much more than soda pop. He was acknowledging our common yearning for connection. He was offering me communion. Our story today is about connection, relationship, communion, communion with God and communion with each other. Quite a bit has happened since we read the part of the story in Exodus at the beginning of chapter 2 when Moses is born and saved by Pharaoh's daughter and his mother and his sister working together as we talked about last week. But after that, Moses has gone out and been walking around. He sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave. He goes over to stop it. He ends up killing the fellow. He doesn't think anybody sees it. But then the next day, he's talking to some other Hebrews, and they saw what he did. And then the Pharaoh finds out, wants to kill Moses. Moses flees. Time passes. Pharaoh dies. Moses is in a foreign country, which he has escaped to. He has married, and as we began to read in chapter 3, he's keeping the flock of his father-in-law. He's become a simple shepherd. I think if we ran into Moses, we would be suspicious. We might even want to turn him in to his in-laws or to Pharaoh, or maybe we would avoid him and just turn and go in the other direction. I mean, we know he's a murderer. He's on the run. We know he has a temper, and sometimes it flares out of control. But what did God do with this Hebrew child raised by Egyptians, turned murderer, turned runner, turned husband and shepherd? God reacts so very differently. God is ready to use Moses, to utilize Moses for good. Can you believe God? Continually finding these people who have made big mistakes and using them to fulfill God's will. Why Moses? Why would he choose Moses? People speculate about this, maybe because he was raised in the royal household and he knows his way around. He can go in there and talk to the Pharaoh. But maybe because he's already shown this passion for justice. After all, when he murdered the fellow, he was stopping him from beating a defenseless person. Or maybe it's because he's shown this deep well of compassion for the Hebrew people, his people who are being oppressed, even though he was raised by royalty. He has a sensitivity and a compassion to those who are downtrodden and being beaten down. All of those could be reasons why Moses was chosen, but the text gives us even another reason. I want to look at it for a moment here. It says Moses was one who looked. He noticed things. In verse 2 it says, 
there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. And what does it say Moses did? Moses looked. He took the time to notice. If we read on in verse 3 and 4, you'll see how the author emphasizes the importance of Moses looking and seeing. In verse 3 it says, Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. You see how they're emphasizing for us the importance of looking, of noticing things, of seeing, of thinking about what God might be doing. I put my summary in the outline. Moses looks, God calls, Moses responds, and this holy relationship develops. It's holy because God is a part of it, but that's not all of it. In verse 5, it says, Then God said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Now, other people had stood there before Moses. They did not know it was holy ground. It's this com combination of God's presence and Moses paying attention that make all the difference. It is this holy ground or holy place because God is present and Moses is paying attention. Moses tunes in. When God says, stand still, Moses stands still. Remove your sandals like saying, don't go walking around looking at other things. This is it. This is the moment. Pay attention. Stay with me here. I often think about it like a radio in a radio station. The radio station is always broadcasting but we don't always hear what they broadcast. We have to turn on the radio and tune it in to the station. Then we hear the music or we hear the message. Theologically, we continue to remind you God is always present. God is still speaking. But we have to tune in. We have to be looking. We have to be listening if we're going to hear what God has to say to us. Are you tuned in to God? The promise throughout the scriptures, throughout the Bible, is when we look and listen, we will experience God. Jesus talks about this in the Gospels. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Jesus says everyone who's asking and searching and knocking will receive a response from God. Everyone, it works for everyone, Jesus says. God is ready to be a part of our lives. The question is, are we ready? Or at least as curious as Moses, so when we see something strange, we look and pay attention. Moses sees the fire, the flame, the bushes burning but not being consumed. And Moses says, I've got to pay attention. I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to look and see what is going on. Are you ready to stop and turn aside and listen and look to be at least as curious as Moses? I mean, it can happen when strange things happen in your life. New questions arise that all of a sudden you're more aware of God's presence. Or sometimes it's in the midst of a tragedy or a real struggle 
that we began to tune in to God. So many of the stories we read in Genesis were of those people really struggling and then experiencing the blessings of God in the midst of all that. Sometimes it comes when we are so afraid and all but overwhelmed by anxiety that we turn to God in a new and desperate way and we find that God is there for us. Robert Bly tells the story. It's a folk tale of this young boy starting out toward manhood. He takes off and goes into a forest by himself, no other people. He has his trusty dog alongside. He's walking past a pond. The folktale says this huge hairy hand comes out of the water, grabs the dog, and pulls him under. The boy turns and looks. He doesn't run off. He doesn't become hysterical. He stares into the pond. And then he says to himself, this is it. This must be the place. That's like Moses in our story today. This must be the place. This is the holy place. This is the encounter with God. I think the Holy One is here. But it takes a different kind of attention. It takes a kind of discipline to stay still and pay attention. It represents a different kind of resolve to go deeper, to go deeper in my relationship with God, to listen more intently, to look more fervently. This is a holy moment. Oh, it tells us Moses is still afraid, but he knows he's in an encounter with God. And he begins to learn about God and who God is. He's learning about the continuity of God. And as God says, I'm the God of your ancestors. He begins to learn about the character of God. When God says, I hear the cries of the people, I know they're suffering, I'm ready to come and act on their behalf. And he begins to learn about the commitment of God. When he hesitates, when he is afraid to respond, God says, I am with you. That is enough. But for Moses, not quite enough yet. He says, wait, wait, wait. What if they ask me who? Who am I going to tell them has sent me? And the text says in verse 14 that God says, I am who I am. Or in the footnote of my Bible, it adds, it's just as equal a translation to say, I will be what I will be. God reveals when Moses asks, who am I dealing with here? I am the one, God says, who is always with you. And I will be what you need me to be. Maybe not what you want me to be, but what you need me to be it's the promise of God to be with us always and to be there to sustain us through all things God is committed to us and to the human family God is caring for us and yet God is calling us to be a part of God's work in the world are you ready are you looking are you listening during this pandemic and all this social unrest what are you learning about yourself? How are you reacting? Are you listening and looking to what's going on and asking where is God in all of this? What are you learning about God? This story reveals the name of God to us, but so much more than that if we'll listen and look. Moses allows God's love to work in him in a new way. Let God's love work in you let god's love work for you amen